So that's how it totally ironically got the, the title. Crab <laughs> Hey up and welcome to the Temple of Blood episode twenty six. You alright? Hello. Oh yeah, no Dave this week. He's um he's celebrating. Is he? Yeah, he's got his he's got his Asbo lifted or something, I don't know. Uh, sweet. Well he can't do anything with lockdown anyway, so I'm no. gonna get far. No, no, no. He's fucked it. How are you doing then? Anything interesting happen in your life? Uh well, yeah. Can't, well, no, but, you know, I can tell you the mundane things, you know. Uh, just being given myself, well, I've finally caved and given myself another lockdown haircut. Uh, hence the sort of struggle for something other than headphones because I'm literally still in the middle of cutting my hair and I'm covered in hair and my <laughs> headphones are now going to be covered in hair, basically. Why do you just not bother, like me? Uh, it, uh, I can't, I can't live with it. I can't live with the long hair. It was getting a bit long. Um, and it's just irritating. It's not a good look on me either. So, um, there's no bigger pain in the ass in the world than cutting your own hair and trying to be sort of stylish about it rather than just, you know, shaving it all off hmm. to one number. It's the most frustrating thing. I've just been squatting in the bath 20 minutes at a time. <laughs> <laughs> with a mirror. Yeah, well, yeah, I just got a mirror from the hall, like propped up against the cupboard, um, and just standing up after squatting like that, barefoot in a, in a porcelain bath is is also an indescribable kind of pain. I don't know this pain because I just let mine grow out. I don't know what it, what long hair looks like on me. To be fair, the missus complains, but what are you going to do? Well, except cut it apparently. You don't know what you... Well, we've seen you. We, we know what you in your youth look, look like. With, uh, yeah, but, long I just, hair, but... I, but I didn't know if it suited me or not. I just know I liked it. Um, I think everyone got used to it. I think is a fair is a fair assessment. A fair objective assessment is that everyone got used to it. I think Whether looking back on pictures, you're a little, you do look very feminine with the long hair. It's not oh, like a fine. particularly manly look on you. That's why I, 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 I lure everyone into a false sense of security. And then I start yeah. drinking Nuki Brown and smoking cigarettes. Um, I don't recall anyone feeling like they're in a sense of security around you when you were younger. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> Do you want anyway, some, uh... I don't want to get too nostalgic. Um... <laughs> No, I think housekeeping first. I need to do some. I think actually, there's no need for housekeeping. It was all shit I've been telling you today about me sort of going, oh, for fuck's sake, I best do something with the website. Oh, for fuck's sake, I bet best do something with this or that. Mm. I don't think anyone gives a shit. So let's just go into some news. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I don't even want to scrape the barrel with the news that I've seen. So uh, you go ahead. Yeah, this will be a short one. There's not a lot going on. Uh, Skin Dread, they signed with Earache Records. I don't know of Earache Records and I don't know... Skin- well, I've heard of them. I don't think I've ever heard them. Oh, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. It's just like... Um, I don't even know how you, how you describe it. It's like one of those sort of hybrid genres. Sort of mm. new with... Um, I don't know how I describe it. I, I think, yeah, well, I think the name does shout new metal with some elements of classic metal, which uh, is probably not up my alley, but... No, it's definitely, it's, check it out. It's worthwhile. 
Um, but earache are like the extreme metal label. Like hmm. they were kickstarted Napalm Death and a bunch of stuff like that. I think since then sort of diversified a bit more, which explains Skin Dread. But well, I've just obviously today I was um, stroking through a uh, a lot of vinyls and a lot of CDs, looking for Roadrunner related content. I appreciate um, that. Thank you. And God, the amount of like Warner, the stuff that's been released through Warner, because my brother's got you know quite a varied collection of music, and I don't think even ten percent of his vinyls are here, but there must be. 300 about 300 vinyls here and god the amount of stuff released by warner and it's all sorts of different stuff as well uh it was disheartening after a while it's just like warner (laughs) warner how how does he source his vinyl does he like just buy in bulk buy cheap or is he like a proper collector he definitely does seek out a lot of them um and obviously the stuff that he's really into um I don't know, between the buried and me. Well, it's similar stuff to me. Um, and then the stuff that I'm not into, I don't actually know about because I don't, yeah. you know, talk to him about it. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, you have to sort of seek that out specifically. And like, I don't know, they have record day and I guess you buy directly from the band as well. Uh, he, he has to do a lot of that with the more um, obscure bands or the, the metal bands that aren't really, you know, having big general releases of their vinyls or whatever. Got, they got. They do a lot of limited edition. Um, yeah final releases yeah so i know he does that because i did i do um well, i did collect a bit i say collected mm. i just like oh is there a band i like okay well i'll make sure i actually buy the vinyl instead of just like the cd or spotify but mm. eventually it became like cost prohibitive i'd like to pick it up again but i just haven't got that much i have not got that much sort of breathing yeah. room in my budget yeah i mean looking through his finals i was just thinking like where did he get you know because each final he must have paid a fair amount for, and you're flicking through hundreds of them. You're thinking, bloody hell, where did this money come from? Yeah. So, to an extent, I'm thinking there must be there must be some um, bulk buying purchases that have happened, but uh, they're all like ordered as well. So, you know, there, there were a few Kansas. I showed you the Kansas one. There were a few Kansas ones um, together, about ten Rush ones together, followed by Fleetwood Mac and a few Hall and Oates and Air Supply and, you know, just stuff like that. Simon and Garfield and stuff I, I don't really even know, you know, I don't know. Um, it's as but you also have in the mood for. Well, I've never been in the mood for it, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Fleetwood Mac, uh, you know, yeah, that's, that is the kind of thing you can be in the mood for. Uh, but you also had like Adele... So I'm thinking that must have come from a bulk purchase because I don't think he's into Adele. Right. So I don't know how he sourced all of them. Yeah, you think he's got like, there's been like an auction, like a, someone's died and is handing off all the stuff and he's just paid tuppence for it. Well, my and got a my, lot of crap in there as well. My parents are uh, known as uh, car boot sale connoisseurs so, and I think he's been known to join them. So I'm sure some of them have been sourced from the boot of a car on a Sunday Crap. morning. <laughs> oh we get loads around where i live anyway anyway that that's skin dread but i imagine you were making a, a link to earache yeah i just yeah we're just talking about all the uh the record labels i've been actually paying attention to today oh, you know, the first time i've actually sort of looked at them did you find any roadrunner apart from that uh misfits one mm, i don't believe so um so i looked through two boxes which oh, was 
quite a few. There's another box. I could see. Well, I could see the. I mean, the, I mean, the worst thing is like they're so heavy, and trying to pull them out of the box is. Uh, yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna break these, <laughs> like because they're in those um, plastic sleeves. Yeah. I mean, bloody hell. it's harder than it sounds, honestly. Um, and then you're flicking through some, and then you realise that you know they've uh, fallen on the side and you've got about 100 vinyls all resting on one bloody vinyl at the end you know like, oh shit and that was uh, Fleetwood Mac rumors by the way that was uh, it was bloody resting on probably one of the more valuable ones in the collection okay. shit shit um and then the last box I just looked at the side and there was a lot of um like I think there was co- there might have been no nah, there wasn't code in there there was thrice and fight star and stuff like that um <laughs> which I could just sort of tell was definitely not going to be Roadrunner. So <laughs> I didn't bother with the last box. I'm pretty sure Thrice wasn't, but it was quite mm, no, thr- scene adjacent, isn't it? Um, I can't remember what Thrice was. It wasn't a, it wasn't a particularly well-known Ep- label. Epitaph. Was it? I think that's the most well-known label that they have been with. I've got, I've got, well, I've got one right here. Let's see what it says. Island. Subcity. That's what I kept saying. Island Records, Subcity. Never yeah. heard of them. <laughs> a lot of these are like um, the band's own, own labels, though. I don't know about Subcity. I could find out, though. Whatever. No, okay. <laughs> well, a lot, of the, a lot of the bands, I don't know, like, me and my friends have followed uh usually these days tend to be assigned to rise records if you know rise yeah yeah that's a, that's for a lot of like the screamer well modern screamer those high class sort of stuff stuff uh, you wouldn't be associated with classic screamer would you it's got to be modern uh pretty much what what have you got a specific band in mind no i just make fun of the fact that you said screamer then decided to distinguish screamer from modern screamer yeah well People get kind of um, elitist about that, don't they? When you start going into like the the early days of hardcore and stuff, uh, I've really, really don't follow that. So never really been into those bands. Right. Like um, I don't know, movie life and stuff like that. Even earlier than that, I don't even know. I don't really know what the bands are. I've, I've watched plenty of videos on the history of emo, but I've never really been bothered enough to look into those bands. Mm. Fair enough. This is all acceptable stuff. And you're right yeah. to make the distinction. Well, yeah, I, I understand it's not particularly popular amongst the, the more mainstream brands of metal. Yeah. But the, I've, I've sort of found that, on the subject, I've sort of found it strange that Killswitch Engage, they're like, you know, welcomed with open arms by sort of the more middle-of-the-road metal fans and heavy metal fans <laughs> and death metal fans. Because, um, I mean, they uh, lyrically at least, and certainly vocally to an extent, they really are like on an, on the extreme of kind of emotional, yeah. post-hardcore, emotion, emotional metalcore. So it's strange that uh, metal fans, you know, are so keen about their music, but then so it's, elitist about other forms, other bands doing similar Kill things. Killswitch is so in the middle of the road for everything. They're, they, they sort of sit at the, where the Venn diagram crosses over on everything. Like you think about it, some of the some of the riffage is just like very death metally, but also a bit hardcore, a bit chunky, a bit thrash metally in terms of the rhythms, and then got some blast beats in there, some songs, and then 
some of the chorus is like big, kind of operatic and theatric, which are kind of emo, but there's also like power metal influence in there. It's like, yeah. it's, it's got a bit of everything is what I'm trying to say. So it doesn't surprise me that they're welcome with open, open arms on everything. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I understand. I mean, they, they do sort of, they were like one of the early pioneers of that sort of sound, I suppose. And a lot of um, modern metal core bands these days are always, you know, harking back to them, saying, oh, they're a massive influence and they're really the pioneers of metalcore. Um, and then when you listen to them, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely not like what you associate with traditional modern metalcore. There's a lot right. of different elements. Like there's a lot of like chromatic stuff as well, which um, is sort of weird. It's sort of like... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed this in um, in their music, Killswitch Engage's music, but there's a lot of like chromatic stuff, uh, which is uh, like jazzy, sort of bluesy. It's sort of weird if you break it down. Yeah, it's not what you expect from a modern metalcore band. And this is where this is where I struggle with metalcore. Anyway, this is why I think this is why I call Killswitch new the new wave of American heavy metal because I think it's somewhat different from. We called it metalcore at the time. Hmm. But I think it's a different thing completely. Yeah, I'd agree with that, I guess. I think, it's I think, just because I think it's aged out of it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I think it's just because these days, so many metalcore bands, you know, cite them as an influence. And yeah. they're sort of so commonly known as the fathers of metalcore. But I did that, not notice this this chromatic observation, which you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, if, well, if you just learn some of this stuff on, on guitars, a lot of, mm. um, you know, just going down a semitone, a few notes, um, in a, in a sort of more heavy rock, rock way. Whereas metalcore, they're either very strictly stickling to sort of a pentatonic scale or um, a harmonic minor or something like that, rather than right. either throwing those uh, chromatic notes in. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a strange sound. It's just, that's sort of what I find jarring about uh, listening to Kill Switch and Gaze sometimes, actually, as someone who doesn't really follow that side of metal so much yeah. um some of the songs definitely do go back go cross into a different sort of boundary that's not really metalcore mm. and the other new stuff like newer stuff with um jesse leach back uh is is he he's just the second vocalist right they haven't he's replaced the, he's, the, he's the first vocalist and the current oh yeah vocalist. yeah yeah that's right yeah um not, not really. Did they do? Did he sing always? Um, do you know that one? The acoustic. No, I, I don't know if it's got an acoustic version and an electric version. But it's like, oh yeah, really, <laughs> always. Yes, I think it was on. Yeah, Desoundius Descent Special Edition, which is, if I'm not mistaken, that was that was his comeback album. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much. Yeah, the most modern that I've heard of them. Always, always. Yeah, it's, that's that vocal technique has definitely got more of a fucking Pearl Jam influence almost. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not really a metalcore thing. This is true. This is true. Uh, Man of War. What do you know of Man of War? I only know the name through you, basically. Well, they've got a new trailer for the Hell on Earth 6 DVD and Blu-ray. This is the kind of thing you should be discussing with Dave. Uh, Raw? I think we can call him Dave now. Right. With Dave? Yeah. 
<laughs> I entitled uh, the last episode um, Raw Exclusive Name Reveal. Yeah, I saw that. Um, <clears throat> how much uh, attention has that brought? Not a lot. Not a lot of buzz about that. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of buzz. It's exactly the amount of buzz I expected it to bring. Hmm. His mum's disowned him though. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm not too fussed about Manawar. I think um, when I went to Wacken the first time, every mm. everywhere you went and everything, any music that was ever on in the campsite was always Warriors of the World, which is like a big sort of big Manawar anthem. Good, fun, fun uh, time for everyone. But I think um, <clears throat> off that sort of like novelty, I wanted to go see them when they were, they were playing their last ever show or whatever it is. I think they were doing like one of million farewell tours in the UK. And mm. it was something like Birmingham O2 Academy and that was going to be the only show. And it was like 120 quid a ticket, like for not resale value, face value. And I was like, yeah, fuck that. What, at stadiums? They'll perform no, 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 O2 because Academy. I can't imagine, that, that is a crazy price for an academy ticket. It was, it was ridiculous. That, that is great. I mean, I don't think I've ever paid that much for it. No. I probably paid that much once to see Roger Waters live in Wembley. Yeah, that's reasonable. So, so I might not have even been that much. Did I take the Megabus? No, I went because um, my dad's into Pink Floyd. So I went with my dad and his friend uh, who's massively into Pink Floyd and all those sort of bands uh, in Kansas and Boston and <laughs> God knows. And, um, they call it uh, Alan Parsons Project. Right. Massively into that stuff. And sort of because I you know, quite like Pink Floyd, he sends me a lot of stuff, uh, similar bands from that time. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, Pink <laughs> Floyd's enough for me, really. <laughs> I don't want your rainbow or your fucking eagles. Oh, I'm, well, I, I would probably listen to that if he, if he sent me. It's more like... Um, Oh, what's that British band that used to have a fucking dedicated like reed player? Um, I can't remember what they could... Fairpoint Convention. Or Fairpoint. No, no, no. But yeah, those kind of strange, progressive, like heavy folk folk rock sort of bands. Yeah, where like they're Grateful Dead, Jeth- Jethro Tull, that kind of stuff. Yeah, Jethro Tull is like, I think is actually what I was think, thinking about. Okay. Yeah, that kind of stuff, which is a bit too out there for me, I think. Oh, Steely Dan. How do you feel about Steely Dan? <laughs> yeah, again, same thing. Reeling in the ears is amazing. I'll send you a the, the Kyle Gas Band uh, did a cover of it, and it's fucking amazing. My, I think my, my brother's a lot more receptive to this kind of stuff, so <laughs> uh, he's been to see a few of these bands. He's been to see Alan Pass's Project Live. He's been to see like Bruce Springsteen Live. Mm. Um Billy Ocean live, just all sorts. Like he goes with different people who are into that music, but like with me, it's like there's only a couple of people I could go to because my, you know, desire to see someone live is not usually that eclectic. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. This what were we even fucking talking about? We're, we're going on some right tangents so far. That's from Man of War. Uh, God, how did we Man- get to Jethro at all from Man of War? Man of War costs too much to go see him you'd only pay that to see Roger Waters and you'd take the, me- the Megabus down. Well, I took, I don't know, I've only taken the Megabus once and that was to see Brand New. I remember the blog. It was good. Yeah. Good times. Good that times was when well. it was a massive deal just to go to one concert yeah. back then. 
remember, do you remember giving a shit? Uh, vaguely. Yeah. Yeah, very vaguely. Uh, Five Finger Death Punch, what, what do you reckon? <laughs> really listening to bands like I know and have had the opportunity to listen to and be like, nah, fuck that. Yeah. Go on. I, I, yeah. Uh, they released the lyric video for I Refuse and I, I haven't listened to it. They're just This podcast has a reputation for not liking Five Finger Death Punch and Dave fucking hates them. So I just wanted to know if you uh, hated them too. I have no strong feelings either way, but I don't have too many. I've definitely ideas. heard them. I've described them as post nine eleven metal because I think one of their songs had "Ooh Ra" in it. You know the Marines thing. Oh God, I fucking so. hate them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll join that club. <laughs> Yeah, so I think of that of that ilk. <clears throat> so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother. Um just looking at new releases. Papa Roach Greatest Hits Volume Two. Mm. God I didn't know there was enough to do two volumes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I saw Papa Roach a few times back in the day. They were really good, really good live band when the guy got sober. Mm. What when he got sober? I thought he sort of, they sort of lost their edge when he got sober. Um, I'm just, I, I, this is like 2007, 2008. Right. That's a few years after the, uh, after they're actually trendy. That's considerable. Yeah. It's a considerable amount of time. Was that in a supporting capacity or what? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. Who was the, who was headlining? Uh, I think it was Stone Sour. Oh God. And then the second time it was someone else. Um, another Stone Sour-esque band. The definitely Nickelback. Crowd. Wasn't Nickelback. Could have been Nickelback, but wasn't Nickelback. They're the most similar band I would associate with Stone Sour, I think. Yeah, that's really which is which is probably fucking blasphemy, like to say to a Corey Taylor fan. But you know, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he thinks. Um, what are your thoughts on Jared Dines? Um, I don't subscribe to him. And I don't seek out his videos, but I've seen quite a few of them. I've seen enough to have a vague opinion on him. Good, because I've never heard of him, but I keep seeing his name everywhere. Apparently, he's a YouTube guitar sensation, but I don't see anything, all this, hear anything that's remotely remarkable. Yeah, most YouTube guitar sensations aren't really specifically known for their like original music output. I don't know. They just be, they just managed to uh, get acquire a, enough name. Yeah, acquire enough of a name to. Well, acquired a big community of like cultish fans. It's like mu- music is winning is the same. I'm sure no one who's been playing guitar for more than a year is a big fan of music is win. But it's a big circle joke of like beginner su- guitarists who are like thinking. I've never heard really... of music is win. What is music is win? I yeah. I mean, he might be one of the the biggest fucking music YouTubers, well, guitar related YouTubers there is. All right, I'm gonna give him a googs. I don't follow many guitarists on YouTube. To be fair, I'm 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 pretty shit at this. Um, I'm not sure if I actually am subscribed to any, but I do watch a lot because I just get recommended it. I don't think there's any that I actually like on a personal level enough to subscribe to them. And most of them just sort of irritate me. It just kind of um, comes across as a bit narcissistic to stand there and 
talk about guitar like as if you're the sort of god of guitar i see a lot of um yeah these are all like two minute videos like three two minute two or three minute videos and very clickbait hmm. it's very I yeah it's very why, entry level yeah i see why yeah you say that yeah, yeah. I think I'm I'm into a couple. I think what's it one called? Is it called Paul Dan not Paul Daniels? What the uh Dutch guy? Yeah, it might be. I'll, I'll let me see. <clears throat> Is it Paul Daniels guitar? Paul Paul Davids. Paul Davids. Davids, yeah, thank fuck. Paul Daniels. I was like I was literally shit. watching one of his videos today, actually. He's good. Uh, and that was related to looking at the vinyls. Uh Simon and Garfunkel. And then Paul Simon released a separate you know, some solo albums and Paul Davids did a video about his perfect quotation mark chord progression. And I watched that today. So there's a strange link. Very strange link. Goes full circle. Yeah. It's quite a good video that though. I would probably recommend. I mean, he does, he does have a pretty like interesting take on technical side of uh, sort of music theory and and chords and things. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely worthwhile. Um, Yep, Whereas people like music is win. I mean, even though they do have a music theory sort of foundation, it's very like aimed at entry level guitarists, uh, clickbaity stuff. Yeah. Um, he did a, uh, oh, what was it? He got invited by like some auction house in New York recently. Like they flew him all the way out to play um Eric Clapton's I think it was Eric Clapton's Stratocaster. Could be wrong. It was a famous guitar anyway. Right. And for some reason, I don't re- I really don't understand what the auction house was thinking because they were saying the last person who had played it was Eric Clapton ten years earlier or something, never been played before since right. then. Right, okay. And they're about to auction it. And then they invited like fucking music is win over, which like no, you know, wealthy guitar collector is going to be interested in. Goes yeah. there and plays it for like an hour. So it's it's no longer got that like you know claim it's no authenticity. Got the value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so weird. And why they were thinking, and why they invited him as well to try and like generate buzz around it and try and you know get more people to flock in and and bid on it because they were like expecting to get half a million for it or something like that. They're expecting some rich kid to come in and say, "Oh, can someone?" Yeah, give well, me this? I don't know. I don't know what millionaire kids are watching music is win because obviously it didn't do that. I don't. I don't know if it's sold. In the end, I don't think it reached the sort of, um, you know, reserve price. Okay, so back back to the original question of Jared Dine. So now he's got a Wikipedia article, so he must be somewhat prolific. Uh, Dine's rose rose to prominence with his metal covers of pop songs. His following grew as he collaborated with other artists such as Rob Scallon. No idea. Hmm. Dine's became known for playing guitars with unusual numbers of strings. Well, the, the, um, I guess... The reason you probably should have heard of Jared Downs is he he toured with Trivium for a while. He did. He did a he did a single with um, an EP with Matt Hafey, and hmm. I'm I think that coincided with the time where I was too busy to bother <laughs> with it, too busy to follow to follow everything. So I think I heard the one song and I was like, okay. And yeah, I, I don't know. Pay attention. We're so grumpy. Oh, is, this gr- is this grumpy or is this market failing to penetrate our demographic? I mean, um, I'm blaming them. I'm trying to think of a, U- a guitar YouTuber now I like, I genuinely like, so I can come across as being positive. Uh, there is another one I like, and I'm just going to try and find it, but I'm on the wrong. 
I'm on the wrong YouTube shit. I mean, know your gear is good. But if you know him. There's one which is a um is more of a pedal guy. What the fuck's he called? Man, we are shit at this. Okay, well, Sean Sean Daniel. Sean Daniel is good. Sean Daniels, let me see. I don't know if I know him. And JHS Pedals. I don't know Sean Daniels, interestingly. Sean Daniels is good. Oh, Samurai Guitarist. I also watch Samurai Guitarist. Yeah, he's all right. I, he's, he's all right. The thing is, it's, it, because it's so like monotonous in a way, Like none of it would ever persuade me to subscribe because I don't want to watch every video. One after the other. He occasionally you know I mean? does like, odd gear, like novelty mm. gear. They're quite good. Uh, Rig Beato, I watch him. Mm. He's all right. Well, the, the reason I know a lot of these uh, YouTubers actually is because I'm subscribed to r slash uh, guitar circle jerk. Because like, <laughs> because ask the guitar subreddit, like they're so like strict about posting anything. You're not even allowed to post the picture of your guitar without it being a self post so that you don't get karma from it. They're super right. like strict about stuff and you can't joke about anything. It's sort of weird. So they made guitar circle jerk where, which it features um, music is win a lot and they're just taking the piss out of him all the time. Mm. And in the end, he didn't um, ask me anything right. on Guitar Circle Jerk and that kind of won them over. Um, so then Rick Beato's been, you know, by, my, by the Beato book. That's become a sort of meme on, so, <laughs> <laughs> on Guitar Circle Jerk. Oh man, I'm so out of touch with the kids. You know, it's just like um, <laughs> self, self-post street. threads on Guitar Circle Jerk. It's like, I bought the... I bought the Beato book and now, you know, I can't get an erection. It's shit, shit like that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, I don't know how we got onto this, but I was joking. I mean, you, have to, you have to be there, really. You have to be there. Oh, yeah. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too late to the curve. Uh, nah, no, you're not too late. You can just go and ask, like, you know, just get on the subreddit and sort by best of all time. That'll take a good hour out of your life. What's your favourite subreddit these days? Uh, I mean, Guitar Circle Chuck is a good one. I took a long break from Reddit and social media hmm. prior to having a podcast and having it fucking be required to, to do it. So I don't know if there's anything that's good anymore. Well, I mean, usually I'm just on the homepage signed in and then I'm just seeing the top post. I don't really browse... Hmm you know, individual subreddits um, that I'm subscribed to. Uh, Fuck You Karen is quite good. Is that just stories of, like, revenge against Karens? Yeah, 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 basically. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Me in Real Life is obviously some spicy memes on that one. (laughs) Uh, Awful Taste, but Great Execution. Yeah, that's another one. I'm going to have to try Guitar Circle Jerks. Oh, you got to get on there. I'm on Soccer Circle Jerk as well, which uh, is okay. That's been a recent <laughs> subscription of mine. Well, anyway, Jared Dean's, Jared Dines, Jared is doing yeah. something with um, ex-Kill Switch singer Howard Jones. Oh, yeah, I think I heard about that, but I didn't look into it. Yeah, I don't sure really trust Jared Dines to have a great output. I'm sure Howard Jones will, you know, kill it, but... Um, Hell Yeah's Chad Gray from Mudvayne has dropped Always On My Mind solo single. I was listening to that as you were joining the call. What, the um, 
who sung that originally? What the is on my mind. That song. Yep. Okay. It's Chad Gareo wedding, and it sounds like it's been sung out of his nose. It's not. It's not a metal version then. No. Right. It's like a piano version. I don't know if the camera. Did the Willie Nelson have a piano? Well, I had it in somewhere. But he's a guitar player, isn't he? I know enough about Willie Nelson. I'm just trying to introduce the idea that Chad Gray has done something different or maybe he's not done something different. I well, I just tell. feel like whatever version I've heard was not Willie Nelson. So always, let's see if it's anything else, anyone else who covered it, I would know. Elvis Presley. That's definitely who I was thinking of. Fair it must enough. have come up before Willie Nelson, surely. Well, if you look at the article... Chad Gray released a solo single, a cover of Always On My Mind, a song made famous by Willie Nelson. So obviously Elvis did mm. it, and then Willie Nelson perfected it, and then Chad Gray perfected it even further. Elvis is the one I, the version I know of. Well, that's acceptable. Um, I was going to make a point about something else, I can't remember. Any other news? Um, Blaze Bailey from Iron Maiden says he doesn't care about being excluded from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nomination. I do I think it's not on. <laughs> not that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame means anything to anyone at any point, but as far as I'm concerned, he was a part of that band. And if what, what era was he? He was band? like in the night when when Bruce left in the nineties. He sung two, on two albums, right? Those albums being uh, X Factor and Virtual Eleven. But they've right. got the the first singer from Iron Maiden and Killers. Hmm. Well, yeah, I, I know Killers, but I don't know those two albums you just listed. So I think that is must be more of a hardcore Iron Maiden fan perspective you're looking at it with. I didn't know that it was because they've included former members, right? Hmm. Like former members that are, are probably less well known than Blaze Bailey, for example, Dennis Stratton, and to a lesser extent Clive Burr. Who are drummers that the old drummer and guitarist, respectively? Um, but I consider Blaze Billy to be more. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Is it done by fame? Is it done by notoriety? Because he's had some good songs, some which they play, still play live today. Was was that the was that the heyday of I Made It though? Was oh he no, it's, it's the Dark really... Ages. Right. Well, there's your answer. <laughs> sure. Well, no, that is it's only the Dark Ages at, at his time. Now we look back on it and rather rather nostalgically like it is his era which i got into iron maiden because they had their songs on a, a game called carmageddon 2 and i was like this is fucking great and it had some blaze bailey songs on there it had some bruce songs on there but i just and what i guess the question is what's the criteria is it the rock and roll hall of fame going well you're not very good um it's probably just looking at the golden age looking at the core lineup and then for some reason they've also incorporated previous members prior to that or members that contributed to those well-known albums but uh, certainly if it was me who really only knows the singles and I was trying to decide you know I'll be looking at the the career chronologically and just thinking yeah let's not include this guy Mm. because he's not in the golden age I mean maybe their perspective is, is similar to mine it's on a very superficial level yeah yeah Fair. No, that's fair enough. I mean, he's one of those people where I've heard some of his solos because he's got quite a prolific solo career, hmm. especially in South America. And I've heard that it's one of those ones where all his stuff is really fucking good, but just no one knows about it. 
that's usually the case, isn't it? I suppose. I suppose yep. it's just well, it has, it has an audience. I'm sure, like whoever is going to appeal to, they know it. Yep. They know it. Um, on that subject of academy members potentially not having a clue about anything, do we have enough time to go into uh, films? The subject of film, we can do. I've got one more or two more bits of news that we can skirt over. Uh, Life of Agony announces a full-length documentary, The Sound of Scars. Life of Agony is a road band, one of the one of the earlier breakout ones in the nineties. So I'm mm-hmm. very interested in this, and I quite like the band. That's also a factor. You can tell I've just I've dived into just pure fucking obsession with Roadrunner now. Yeah, well, it's almost upsetting. It's been, it's been like that for a few months now. To be it honest. has. Yeah. Well, it's spilled into you now, so. Well, Not necessarily yeah. the obsession, but the the function, <laughs> the function of delivering the obsession. It's yeah, it's it, it's it's spilled onto me like to the extent that if you ever mention Case, I'm like, oh Case, oh oh Case, oh, he's super cool, him. I'm like, I'm not into like really roadrunner other bands, <laughs> but I'm just like, <laughs> heart skips a beat when I see his name written in a fucking WhatsApp. Just fucking spam a lot of you prat. <laughs> <laughs> Even I'm like fanboying over him, and I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, Life of Agony, full ends documentary. The trailer's really good. Sh- check it out. I'm going to check it out. Um, in fact, I should have ended on that because I know this this feature you're going to go on about is is films and stuff like that. Last but not least, mm-hmm. Adrian Smith and Richie uh, Cotson, Neighbours in the Pandemic, came out with a solo album. I say solo album. It's a duel album. Um, or a collaboration album, what do you want to call it? But either way, it's good to see Adrian Smith doing things that aren't made and related because he's quite an eclectic guitar player and he's quite an interesting guitar player, but I don't think he has the room to do that in Maiden. So off you go, Adrian Smith, fly free. Well, is this album, what? what is the genre like focused on? It's quite generic hard rock, but it's... Generic hard well, you're not really... Given a much chance to branch out into other no, things no, related to ger- generic card rock, you know, like, you know how like Clutch are like kind of like a southern sort of stonery band, but they've got like interesting time signatures and, and they go, take it to interesting places. It's kind mm-hmm. of in that vein of hard rock, right? Okay, yeah. Maybe I just don't follow hard rock enough. When I when I hear hard rock, all I think is Nickelback, basically. <laughs> all right, well, there's Google. a summary here. All right, exploding with powerful melodies and harmonies, the album embodies a spirited attitude of 1970s classic rock with a melting pot of influences ranging from blues, hard rock, traditional R&B, and more. Yeah, that sounds about mm-hmm. fucking... That sounds like a press release, doesn't it? I mean, having Googled Adrian Smith, he does look like an older version of Chad Kroger. <laughs> Which isn't helping the to dispel that <laughs> image I've already got. <laughs> Should we move on? Should we move on to your, your bit? Do you want to take a lead? We can well, we kinda how long have we been uh, recording so far? I don't know. I don't have a timer on this, but it's, there's no statute of limitations. I try and reach an hour. If we go over an hour, great. Right. Well, okay. There's no like said, there's no there's no set if you want to rush because you want to go off and do some of that that's fine as well no i'm not well i do need to finish cutting my hair but i'm not i'm not in a rush i'm just thinking uh are you in the bath now <laughs> no i'm not <laughs> i should be probably because i'm getting hair everywhere uh, i'm i'm in my pants so great i didn't want to get i don't want to get all of my clothes like i've i've cut my hair enough times now over this during the course of this lockdown to know just don't wear clothes like when you 
Uh, actually, I was wearing I was wearing like a a, cheat, a throwaway bloody plastic anorak. Right. Okay. And, and the amount of static electricity that produces. Oh my god! I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't even want to touch my uh, laptop or comfy. I thought my fucking breaker. <laughs> why? Why? Why didn't you get some like clippers and just do the old shot back and sides? Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm How doing, are you fucking it up? I'm not. Fu- I'm not. Who said I'm fucking it up? It just takes a long time. How does it take a long time? That's a lot of hair. Well, I'm right. not doing. I'm not doing the top. I'm not clipping the top as well. I'm cutting the top. I'm trying to blend it a bit. Right. And my okay. my hairline's fucking awful, so I can't really follow a particular line one way or another. The crown. I've got two crowns at the back of my head, which are just a mess. So mm. that's a little bit of a always a botched job, but um, I think I'm past the worst of it. Fair uh, oh, we've gone on a tangent here. I, yes, I, I was I was going to talk about. Um, did you see the uh, Emmy nominations were announced either last no. night or the night before? I didn't see any um, uh, Emmy nominations. That's also Grammy shit. It wasn't Emmy. It was Oscar. Oh, Oscar, Oscar nominations. In fact, yeah, um, that's what I meant. No, I don't think I, think was, I, I did see the gra- I was uh, mixing it with Oscar and Grammy. Then get and um, producing Emmy in my mind. It was <laughs> the Oscar nominations. Yeah. Um, I saw them. I can't recall a lot of them, but what did stick out to me was a film that I mentioned to you called Sound of Metal. Yeah, Riz Ahmed. Yeah, starring Riz Ahmed in the, in the lead role. Um, and that has been, I believe it's six, yeah, been nominated for six Oscars. Mm. Uh, I, don't, I don't suppose you have seen it yet. No, I haven't. It's, I, I'm, it's on my list, though. Yeah, I would still recommend it, having watched it, because I recommended it to you before actually watching it it was on a top 10 list of is 2020 is i think i believe it is uh, i think it's netflix right uh, prime, amazon prime okay yeah okay amazon prime uh yeah riz Ahmed has been nominated for best performance by an actor in a leading role nice uh it's got best sound i don't know nice. if you best best motion picture of the year i mean some pretty big um awards there and it just got me thinking about other music related film and mm. uh, just what your favorites are and what stands out to you because there are a few subgenres here we're talking about band slash artist biopics we're talking about fictional things based on particular aspects of music or we're talking about stuff that sort of delves into the music industry so mm. there's a lot of different subgenres here but it, just pick any one out of my favorite one is this history of Roadrunner Records thing that I saw on YouTube not long ago? It just cuts straight to this cuts straight through the bullshit. Goes on about mm. disco for twenty minutes and then then does something substantial. No, it's, it's um, <laughs> there are some proper shit ones out there. This is the thing you got to realize as well because like if you go on Amazon Prime and that, there's so fucking many. I was watching mm. this one on on thrash metal, just called Thrashed, and I was honestly like, "Fuck me, my video looks better than this." <laughs> And well, I recently we, we got told docu films here. We're talking about. I don't. I'm talking about anything. I'm talking. I'm talking about right. anything. Because um, there are. There's obviously like a. There's all kind. The quality, and delivery of the information. It's done on so many. There is like Hollywood standards and there's indie standards and things like that. So it kind of like crosses over for me. Hmm. But that was so shit, and I thought honestly thought that the fucking Roadrunner thing I did was looks better. So that's an example of a dog shit one. One of my. Fa- did you watch any of the, uh, the Motley Crue one? On Netflix. Yeah, I, I did watch that. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, the Dirt. 
The Dirt, that's it. It's not a memorable name. Yeah, I watched the all dirt. of that. Did, did you watch it's that? Not a memorable name. It's the name of the book that came yeah. out about them, what, 20 fucking years ago. Yeah, yeah, I really like I mean, that year, what was there? Bohemian, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody, Rocket Man, and The Dirt. Yeah. Those are like the three big biopics from that year. And to me, Motley yeah. Crue just sort of wipes the floor of them because, because I've read the book. I can mm. see it's like really faithful to the book where it can be. Whereas well, like I mean, Rhapsody was like, do you need do you need more bio or do you need more pick? I guess is the question. I, it doesn't it doesn't bother me really. I, I I watch any I've seen, you know, any slightly popular, higher budget film related to music. I've probably seen it. Hmm. Um, so I'm not really bothered because uh, I'm I'm not into fucking. Uh, I can't remember what they call I'm not even into Motley Crue like at all. Um, but I just watched it. I'm not into Leonard Skinner, but I watched the Leonard Skinner film. Oh, you were telling me about this. Which was produced by the drummer, and which yeah. um, it was like is in years of pre-production hell because um, the family of uh, the lead singer, who I obviously don't know because I'm not into Leonard Skinner, but I watched fucking <laughs> Van Zandt. Uh, yeah, was uh, I think they were really didn't want them using the, his likeness, you know, stuff like that. They didn't want him using music. I think there was a big issue about the estate not wanting. Then the re- the remaining band members to use Leonard Skinner's music or use their name and stuff. I saw the trailer. Sort of and it, I guess like because I saw the trailer and I think they basically make the singer out to be this fucking proper hippy dippy thing. Hmm. And I guess they just didn't like that, or they just didn't want to keep bringing it, hashing it out, and giving it reinterpretations and things like that. Well, I don't think it's it's that they knew what the portrayal of him was even going to be like. Um, mm. I think it's just they generally had... It's like um, uh, Tolkien's estate, really. They just, yeah. They're not really bothered about whether it's good or it's bad. They don't, I don't think they really rate Lord of the Rings as a trilogy. But they just didn't yeah. want it fucking happening, did they, for some reason. Um, so I think it's a similar similar issue with them. But um, I thought it was quite a good... It's a pretty good film. I mean, it's quite... Lo- like noticeably low budget, but it works. Right. And the acting's pretty amateurish, but again, it, it somehow it works. And also Van Zandt is kind of portrayed as a bit of a dick in the film, um, which is weird because yeah, I don't think it's like intending to, um, but he just comes across as like all, everything, you know, is actually shown, all his actions in the, actual, in the film are pretty obnoxious. Uh, right. Even though it's, sort of trying to be sympathetic to him for some reason. It's a strange, you know, it's a bit, misses the mark a bit. Yeah, misses the mark a bit in terms of its tone because obviously it it does have sort of that B-movie vibe to it, but um, it's entertaining. Um, The Motley Crue one was was okay. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. I saw that in cinema and the guy behind me was just singing to like every time they played a Queen song. It's like, it's not a fucking sing-along. It's not a fucking sing-along, mate. Shut up. We all know the songs. That must have been awful. Yeah, it wasn't. That was annoying. Uh, I liked that at the time, but that's got so much shit since then. I think it's because we're very familiar with what it should have been. Because it it was meant to have Sasha Baron Cohen in it, wasn't it, as as Mm. Freddie? And it was meant to be a little bit more about grittier. Freddie, grittier yeah. and more about Freddie in that sense. And what mm. they did was they just camped it massively and lied. I was going to say lied. I'm not that invested in the story. And they just mm. sort of like made 
sort of untruths about how they got the uh, Live Aid gig and when Freddie was diagnosed and things like that. And it was yeah, like, they did mess around with that chronology a lot. It was just massively insincere to a band which people are pretty fucking passionate about. Mm. I think also um, the record label were quite happy with Bohemian Rhapsody as far as I'm, I remember, but like there's a big scene where it's saying, oh, six it's, bloody minutes. Yeah, which never happened as far as, you know. Like, oh, man, every time of- I think, I always got this, I have a secret competition in my head where I'm like, who is the best American actor who can do a Yorkshire accent? And I'm like, Ah, oh, Mike Myers, of course. Then I remember that Mike Myers is Canadian. Hmm. Therefore, it doesn't count as Ill- ineligible for the award. Well, speaking of Americans doing really good like British accents, This Is Spinal Tap is probably my favourite music. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. That, that's like, that one always wins. Yes. Yeah. I need to rewatch uh, it. Yeah, I, I rewatch it, and then like about within about a year, I'm like, oh, there's some good jokes, and I need to rewatch it again. And just... It's just an never-ending cycle. I just end up watching clips on YouTube all the time. Favorite bit for me was the um, the manager who actually the actor just died last week. Um, and there's there's mm. like a balls up with the rooms or something at the hotel rooms, and he's like, "This twisted old fruit completely bagged up the arrangement, <laughs> and now the band has to stay." And then in the background, there's a this guy with a mustache, and he just goes, "I'm just the way God made me, sir." <laughs> it's brilliant. It's it, it's fucking just way ahead of its time. Uh, yeah. It's so timeless. Um, what was the uh, the album? Lick lick the glove. Lick the glove. Yeah. <laughs> and shark to- sandwich. When they were talking about the uh, the album cover, which you, I don't think you ever see. You know, when um, I think one of the record label executives is uh, approaching the manager about it, saying like it's sexist and stuff. Mm. <laughs> And they're just talking about it. Oh, yeah, so I went on her on her hands and knees, crawling <laughs> towards. Yeah, with with a hand outstretched, with a, uh, with a glove. Uh, it's like, well, th- you should have seen the original cover. It wasn't a glove. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I remember. I can't remember who it was. It might have been um, who's the director? Guest made for life in South Park. And this is Spanish America. That. Yeah. Robert uh, Reiner, something Reiner. Yeah, something. Rob Reiner. Yeah. Rob Reiner. I think you, I, thought, I heard him on a podcast, and apparently there's like there was like seven hours filmed of just stupid improv shit because <laughs> all the characters are like falling. You know, there's like a lot of obscure comedy shows in the '70s where characters fall off of them and they make films out of, them and then you forget about. It. Like Wayne's World, hmm. for example, there's like a film based on a skit in Saturday Night Live. In the same yeah. capacity, I think yeah. like the characters in Spinal Tap are like a different thing. That's where they originated from. And everyone completely forgets that. And I think that was just like 10, well, seven to 10 hours of like raw footage of them improving and just fucking about over like a three year period. It took ages to compile into like a film. Mm. But, yeah, there, there is a lot of, there's a lot of weird footage that shows up on YouTube of them like backstage with Metallica and stuff. Um, like way after they made the film, I think. And they, cause they're talking about the Black Album. Cause you know, uh, in in the film, they release the album and they just, in, well, cause they don't want to cover. Yeah, yeah, because they don't want to release the smell, lick the glove, smell the glove, whatever it was. Um, and it's just, it's just, if it was any more black, it would just, it wouldn't be not. I don't care what he fucking says. I can't remember the quote, but it's fucking brilliant. Um, that, that's the genius of it because they're improvising and I can't even like repeat it after watching the scene 10 times. Uh, and uh, yeah, they're talking about Black Out, how Metallica, like, they're actually with fucking James Hetfield mm. and talking about and Kirk Hammett and talking about how they ripped off the black album. Yeah. 
that's just there's a there's a fucking clip of them doing an interview with um uh what's his name ross ross jonathan ross yeah that's brilliant as well like they really i can see why they could have just filmed them for years and years just improvising and just put it in the film they should have really they, they did a, um, a lot longer they do they still come back together for like charity gigs and stuff like that hmm. um and i think that's i think they did live earth in 2007 with metallica so i think that'll be like backstage the backstage stuff yeah my, they, they look pretty young so even then so don't know oh, yeah it's so good i'm looking for it now but i don't think you can stream anywhere no, i've got it somewhere on a hard drive yeah yeah i'll find it i'll find it it'll be fine um <clears throat> the uh the um oh the uh, stonehenge Henge bit as well dude i was looking into black sabbath recently apparently <laughs> right so this happened before spinal tap the Black Sabbath mm. thing. But the Stonehenge thing came completely independently of what happened here. So Black Sabbath, Dio gets kicked out of Black Sabbath. They recruit um, Ian Gilliam from Deep Purple. Mm. And apparently the exact the exact thing happened, but the opposite way around. So they had this Stonehenge prop that they made too, too big to fit right. in anything. So they couldn't fit it like into an <laughs> arena and stuff. And they had a, 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 I don't know what the politically correct term is, like a little person. Mm-hmm. Because the album cover for the album that they were doing with Ian Gilliam, which I can't remember the name of because I'm so shit at this, um, it was just like a red baby with devil horns. So they had like a little person dancing on top of the um, the Stonehenge thing dressed as the devil. And then there'd be, <laughs> I think the, per- the little person would fall off onto like a load of mattresses and then there'd be like a load of baby crying noises. And then the band would come on stage with a load of druids. And that was I like, regret not seeing Black Sabbath live now. Yeah, but apparently, like, because I because I, I collect Star Wars signatures. Apparently, this little person that was on that tour who did that a number of times was in Star Wars, and I'm like, shit. Well, which one was it? Warwick because Davis is the only one I'm thinking. It's not Warwick Davis. He would have been way too young. But there's yeah. like a low. Obviously, there's quite quite a lot of little people who play Ugnaughts um, and Ewoks and can fit into mm. like the costumes and things like that. Um, so I'm like, shit. Who was it? It's like a little bit of trivia I'll never I'll never see the end of. That could be your oh. next uh, documentary. No, yeah, you know what, man? I know I'm good. I know exactly who I'm going to ask for this. Go on. I'll Are you allowed you. to say that other? All right, okay. Yeah. And, and someone, someone, someone will know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is it Mark Hamill? No, no, no. no. Okay. I'll tell you after. I'll tell you after. <laughs> anyway, just just like a tedious link between the two Stonehenges. But have you seen? Yeah. Did you see some kind of monster? Uh, oh yeah, I did actually. Uh, is that the one with the? Um, no, no, I know which one you're talking about. I was, I was thinking of that other one, that slightly slightly fictionalized event of a Metallica concert. Oh yeah, that um, one? through the never. Yeah, that's the fictionalized one. Yeah, yeah, I've seen I've seen all of the Metallica ones. I just don't remember them. <laughs> <laughs> I get mixed up. Some kind of monster was quite good for its time. I think now it's a little bit. It's not that it's dated. It's just it's so well recorded and like now could we live in a post post some kind of monster world in terms of Metallica? It's kind of uh, hmm. not that revealing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that revealing. Yeah, it was back then. Yeah, I do remember it being sort of uh, surprising, surprisingly open look into you know their lives and sort of. It's weird though because they look way too comfortable like with their lives at that point for like a heavy metal band. 
That's um, partially the point, isn't it? Yeah. Um, was that that was post Saint Anger, wasn't it? That was Saint Anger. It was the making of Saint Anger. All right. Okay. But yeah, that, well, that explains it then. That's sort of what I'm thinking. Of, like, There's one of the, the minute at the beginning where Zane Lowe goes up to James Hetfield and goes, "You have to can you sum up your career in one word?" And that's like how it opens. Hmm. Fucking Zane Lowe. Uh, who else of that? Well, actually, on the on Sound of Metal, it's a good film, though. Um, I know I'm just going back to it straight away, but um, I definitely recommend that to anyone who's listening because it's kind of it's really like disturbing film, um, and it's sort of in the in the same realm as uh, Whiplash. Have you seen Whiplash? I've seen bits of Whiplash. I've seen a clip from Whiplash. Oh, you never seen the full thing. Well, no. you sort of need to see the full thing because it. It's sort of a psychological thriller almost. Which yes, to yeah. some extent is what Santa Metal Santa Metal is like more of a slow burn and it's not like a thriller, but it's psychologically quite tormenting, at mm-hmm. least for me, because it's like it sort of made me realise the fear of going deaf. That's which is what it's about, basically. It's about right. a drummer going deaf. Um it's not bloody good. You could probably be a deaf drummer to be fair. Yeah, that's what <laughs> uh, that's right, what immediately on- you're on the right side of being like, you're on the right side of the um, the band if if you're going deaf, be the drummer, because you can feel it. You, everyone's listening to you. You don't have to listen to anyone else. Mm. Well, uh, well, uh, the, in the film is like it's just like a two piece band with his girlfriend who's uh, singing, and right. um, for some reason he's following her lead because uh, well, they're kind of a bit, then. they're a bit weird. Well, they're a bit of a weird like avant garde type band. I don't know. Uh, so that's sort of like the, the issue to begin with, and uh, he's very much like in denial and stuff. I don't, I won't go further into the story than that, but um, it is it's definitely worth. I'd be surprised if it doesn't win a couple of those Oscars mm. that it's been nominated. I haven't seen any of the other nominees, so I don't see fuck all. I don't care about it anyway. No, you only go to watch the Ricky the Ricky Gervais monologue, and that's it. Yeah, true. Um, Another film I watched recently was, um, what's it called? The Kiss film, Detroit Rock City. Oh, the one with Edward Furlong. If that is his name. I don't, I, don't, I don't know fucking people's names. Uh, from a Terminator, yeah. Yeah, him, exactly. Yeah. Uh, have you seen it? Mm-hmm. I've seen bits of it, what? like, from ages ago. Fucking hell, do you only watch bits of movies or what? No, I, I think it was, I think, I think it was back in the day when piracy was ripe and I just had it on the background hmm well to be fair my my mate who's a massive Kiss fan I mean I asked him and he's like oh yeah I've seen, I've seen bits of it I'm like what the it's like the ultimate fucking Kiss film have you not I've, yeah. even I've seen it once in full before um it, it's it's weird because it sort of starts off like with a lot of promise like Ferris Bueller's day off mm. and then descends into completely misguided like sexual experience early sexual experiences for teenage boys it's just it gets really shit after, like once it once they actually reach detroit um which is disappointing have you seen <clears throat> um american satan no what's that that is uh andy biasak's first film as an actor andy biasak being the lead singer of black veil brides Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Which yeah, which I definitely watched ironically, um, <laughs> and then enjoyed very ironically as well. 
what are your thoughts on black with black veil brides i think i've just i saw one picture of them and i was like i can't no man, not another one um i think my my first like encounter with them was actually walking through the big queue of black veil bride fans outside um like the cockpit or something somewhere in oh no wait it was with you actually it was in sheffield I'm pretty sure it was with you. I'm pretty sure it was with you. We walked past, um, yeah, I'm like 100% certain. We walked past uh, Black Veil Barrett's concert and they're all outside queuing up, waiting for it to to be let in. And uh, (laughs) Waiting for it to end. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, you could just tell what kind of band they were from the fans because they were just a bunch of like 13-year-old girls and like bringing back the sort of dirty Marsha look from 2002. (laughs) <laughs> and it was like you knew immediately well well actually I was going to say you know immediately what they sounded like but then as a joke you know I went to see what they sound like and uh, it's become a big like meme with me and my brother because it's the music is so fucking funny uh, <laughs> like uh, ironically funny uh, The Legacy they've got a, right. I don't know if you, I don't know if you heard it oh my I'm god just, it, shit. it's so cheesy you got to listen to it. it's so fucking hilarious you got to hear it like Black Rail Brad's a legacy, right? It's even got a line, right? Where it's like um, something like, we came with nothing but promised one thing. We'll change the world with these guitars. And then the guitarist like, it's like, it's fucking Wayne's World, like level comedy. It's almost as good as Oorah. Yeah, it's the emo version of it. So tell me about the guys film then. Uh, American Satan, it's directed by Ash Avildsen. Right. Uh, who is, uh, I believe he was, he, he's the owner of a record company, I think, so you should know him. Ash Avildsen? I think he is. I can't see anyone Man, by I'm that talking name. shit. He's <laughs> uh, shit on Blackfield. No, so, oh, there we go. Enough. Founder and CEO of Sumerian Records. Yeah. You know Sumerian Records? Yeah, I'm just can't see that he was in Black Veil Bride. No, he wasn't in Black Veil Bride. He directed the fucking film. Then where's the Black Veil Bride's link? Um, being that Andy Biersack, the lead singer of Black Veil Brides, was the star of it. Oh, got you. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. It is. There are some complicated links there, tenuous links. But yeah, um, yeah so it, weird, weird. Very musical film, I guess, in a way. It's like directed by the CEO of Sumerian Records. Mm-hmm. I think I heard about it because um, there's another podcast. Um, I don't know if it was like Frontman Syndrome or something else, uh, but there was a podcast with the CEO of Sumerian Records that I listened to. It was quite interesting. Um, might be of some interest to you, actually, because he goes into the history of it. and mm. There's probably a few links to Roadrunner-related bands and things. Um, okay. And he was talking... He was. Yeah, I was talking about this film. I was like, oh, I'll check that out. And I was like, what? is that the fucking guy from Black Veil Bride? Oh, I've got to see this fucking film. And uh, have you seen Game of Thrones? I have seen Game of Thrones. You know Sam? Yes. Sam Samwell? Tarly. Yeah, he's, um, I don't know, uh, I think he's like the manager of the band. Basically, <laughs> it's, it's like the most cliched fucking story, like coming of age rock band who want to yeah. make it big in the US. And he's their manager, basically. So it's, yeah. It's right, okay. Funny. Is he like Malcolm stereotypical? in it as well? Is he a stereotypical, like, um, British manager? 
you get on that fucking stage right now. <laughs> um, can I give away details of the film? Yeah, no one listens he, to this podcast anyway, it's fine. I'm pretty sure he, <laughs> uh, he, he overdoses on fucking heroin at some point. That's all I remember of his character. Excellent. As in to death or to like, as like a, a coming, as like a redemption arc? Uh, it, well, at the time, it definitely looks like he's dead. I can't remember if he just comes back mysteriously. I don't think he does. I think it is to death. Okay. I don't know how I moved from Sound of Metal to American Satan because there really isn't a link in terms of quality there. But um, Did you see, ever see Blinded by the Light? No. What is this? Uh, well, it's it's during this, like, you know, there's been this new wave of music-related films like uh, yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, Rocket Man. Uh, Blinded by the Light came, came out around that time, 2018, I guess, 2019, okay. which is um, based on a true story about this, I guess, Pakistani-British fan of uh, Bruce Springsteen, basically, who ended up going to, like, 300 of his fucking concerts and following him around the world. Jesus. Um, and it, yeah, uh, it, if it sounds like it doesn't have a story, that's basically yeah <laughs> what the film is. Uh, that's another film I've watched, and my my brother is obviously a fan of Bruce Springsteen, and he hasn't seen it, but I've seen it. So that's the kind of shit I watch. I just watch anything that's related to music, like <laughs> film wise, even though I'm not into Bruce Springsteen at all. And it's super cringe. Like they go into like <laughs> he's that ah uh, oh, it's just. It, He's a teenager in six foot, right? And he's just discovering Bruce Springsteen. And he's not, um, I keep saying Springsteen, it's Springsteen. <laughs> uh, and it's not, it's not even cool at the time, it's set. And he keeps like quoting lyrics to the school bullies and stuff to like empower himself. And it, oh no, <laughs> I'm just like, I was born in the USA. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was born to run. Yeah, it's literally like that. The 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 getting bullied like in a cafe or something, and then he quotes like "Born to Run" and they run out, and it's like them running around and like a montage of them running around to and singing "Born to Run" like around Birmingham. It's so it, I mean, it's okay. It's the film, but it is cringy. Uh, but it's just part. <laughs> it's just part of that new wave of music films. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, yesterday. Have you seen yesterday? No. Is that the Danny Boyle one of the guy that um, wakes up in a world where there isn't the Beatles? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I, that's good, uh, have you, seen, you haven't seen it, though? Not seen it. I get it, though. Mm. Well, I've, obviously, I've seen it, even though I don't like the Beatles, um, which is obviously blasphemous to say. But, of course um, it is. Uh, but it's... Uh, I, well, the thing is, I, I don't really agree with the premise. I, I think, like, if Beatles songs were released by some random singer-songwriter these days, you know, if Beatles hadn't existed, they, he wouldn't get anywhere. Right. I genuinely well, do you think, do you think like Do you think uh, there'd be no Beatles context, therefore the songs these days wouldn't work? I think the songs, the songs by... Well, I think part of it is, like, the blame is partly with the music industry in that like, well, who, who would it appeal to? Cause if you want to try and appeal to the masses, the same way the Beatles did, you need to present it in a completely different form. Like you need fucking Shawn Mendes or something to be singing it. You know, you can't have four guys from Liverpool, none of whom are like particularly attractive or whatever. It just, it just wouldn't work. Like it wouldn't become pop. That, that's that format would not hit the mainstream. 
it would have to be packaged in a completely different way these days. Mm. First of all, um, need a bad boy, don't you? Ringo could be the bad boy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess in the film, Ed Sheeran appears in the film a few times. Yeah. And I guess like the point they're making is like, if Ed Sheeran released Beatles songs these days, he would be popular. <laughs> I don't, is that, do you, do you think that's true? I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. I think the appeal, I, I don't really know a lot about it. Well, I don't know a lot about the Beatles. I'm not like a Beatles fanatic. I do like the Beatles. I think they have their place, but I don't, I don't make the link that everything was founded on the Beatles. Hmm. I'm sure it was in a big way, but well, there were so many, there were so many other bands back then. I think it just gets overlooked. Like the, the industry even back then was pretty saturated, saturated with different yeah. bands. You know, I think the Beatles wouldn't work today for the reasons that you describe. It needs to be packaged in a particular way. Hmm. But secondly, there's so many fucking Beatles bands today. Anyway, so much of like what people are calling themselves indie just sound like shit Beatles. Yeah, I mean, I think Oasis, you know, were almost like a modern Beatles. Like people are yeah. gonna like laugh at that, but I mean, it's true. I don't see really no, musically, I think that's, that's lyrically. Well I think that's well recorded, yeah. as in like people. A lot of people think that. Mm. It's really just just as as icons as the, like their legacy that they're held in such high regard but you know musically lyrically um i, I guess i don't know aesthetically you know they're not it's nothing like super special you know, when you compare it to say oasis or something mm. like that you know the oasis aren't lagging behind in those in those aspects do you see that hard times um headline Oh, like, yeah, the Gallagher on. brothers re, uh, reunite to argue in front of a man. Oh, yeah, in front of a terminally, yeah, yeah, terminally ill fan. I've never fought <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's um, so uh, that was probably out of every music related film in the past four or five years that I've seen, other than Sound of Metal. That's probably the best one I've seen yesterday. Even though I don't agree um, with the premise. (laughs) It's just a well-made film. You want to see um, Supersonic, which is the Oasis documentary. When's that from? 2016, 17, I want to say. Yeah, 16, you're right. Yeah, I probably should watch that, actually. I think I probably had that on a list at some point. Mm. I've had so many lists that I've lost. Yeah, I retire a list when it acquires enough coffee stains. Mm. Same. It's usually on a phone. It's usually it gets retired when the phone breaks and I lose it with the phone. Um, yeah, so I mean that was a good film. So I guess I would I would recommend you see Sound of Metal and possibly Yesterday. Although I mean yeah. Yesterday is kind of a throwaway film. It's just very well made. Well, you, you want people more on your side about the premise of the film not being workable, and I'm happy to join you in that crowd after seeing the film. Hmm. Well, if you think about a song like Eleanor Rigby, it's so like weird and out there. Like, yeah. how is that going to hit number one? How is that going to get in the top ten these days? Are you ready for a roadrunner of facts? Go on. Uh, Monty Connor's first signing was a band called Realm. Mm-hmm. It's like a technical and progressive thrash metal band from Milwaukee. Always, I don't one of them, and um, there he signed them on the strength of their Eleanor Rigby cover. I did know that actually. I knew oh. that. Yeah, sorry. Glad. 
Good lad. Because I watched I watched the whole bloody Monty interview, didn't I? Of course he did. Of course yeah. he did. Yeah. And he mentioned it. He mentioned it in that. Um, it's, he did a post on them this um, this last weekend on the Facebooks. Hmm. Oh yeah, screenshot it for you. Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. He mentioned, he mentioned he the temple, yeah, the Temple of Black. Yeah. Temple of Black. You Sorry, I mentioned the podcast. Yeah, that's how you say it, man. <laughs> Sorry, mm-hmm. my my voice is too strained at this point to actually probably do that. One thing that me and Dave wanted to do is like every time we listen to new music, try and assess the blairness of it because there's quite a lot of songs like have a good blair in it, but we haven't we haven't yeah. even assessed it recently. Isn't isn't blair a hallmark of like post hardcore metalcore crabcore? <laughs> Crab like, core. What's crab core? <laughs> you know that kind. Of, everything that like most metalheads hate is you know that 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 kind of thing. You know the, the predictable breakdown in the middle of the song that's preceded by a. Yeah. Isn't that what metalheads hate? I thought that's I what everything so. they hated about that brand of music. Not really. I don't. I mean, I think Mumford came in and did this thing called chip. When <laughs> when when the intro of a song finishes, they go chip. And then the banjo kicks in. Um, and then a lot of folk bands started doing that. And I think everyone was like, all oh, right, I feel like if the curse of Blair's moved on to folk, hmm. now we can enjoy a Blair. I don't know. I just thought I also associated that technique, that kind of, um, I don't know, I guess the pig pig grunting, you know, the like that shit screaming that bands do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you, have you, uh, with like features that classic metalheads don't like? And associated with this new brand of metal that's sort of for teenage girls and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's a strange, there's a strange bleed. I find, I find there's, there's a certain amount of hypocrisy in this fucking heavy metal community, yeah. like in their in their hatred towards metalcore and stuff. Being, you know, Kill Switch Engage. Be one point we've already gone through. Being, <laughs> you know, because they're so similar to like other metalcore bands that get a lot of shit. Yeah. Um, and also Blair, I suppose. I've never, never heard anyone have any diss against Blair. I've definitely seen it. Maybe I just browse like some butthurt forums too much. Yeah, on the Blair Circle Jerk or something. Uh, Crabcore is like... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Crabcore is basically when the guitarists like squat so low, they look like they're trying to be a crab. I thought it'd be something like all the, the riffs are in drop D. And they're always like open note followed by not open note, so it's just do 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 do, which is like the motion a crab would make. Um, the left hand. Nah, it's more about like taking the mick out of the the way like scene band, what scene bands were doing in like mm. sort of twenty twelve sort of era. Um, yeah. The the biggest. Have you heard of Attack Attack? Yes, I've heard of Attack Attack. Well, they're like the pioneers of crabcore. Wow. If you watch the video for. I think it's called Stickly Stickly. I don't know why they keep repeating words. <laughs> attack, attack, stickly, something like that. Yeah, stick, stickly, that's it. Um, if you watch their music video, just put it on mute and watch it right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing. You'll immediately see the guitarist doing the crab. Fuck <laughs> 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 And the comments are just full of hate. Like it's all those dislikes are from like metalheads. <laughs> They've all got the same clothes on, have the same hair, and are doing the same fucking thing. It's almost uniform. 
<laughs> so if, fucking dumb. I love just it. The, just the comments like everyone when they heard a tuck tuck was recording new shit. <laughs> just the crab emoji. <laughs> Uh, this song is a classic now. Hate it all you want, but these guys made the sound that all bands in the late 2000s did. Chugging, auto-tune, poppy choruses and breakdowns. That, that sums it up, really, and that sums up like what the metal community generally hate about these kind of bands. So that's how it... Totally ironically got the, the title Crabcore. This one guy is just like... <laughs> <laughs> it's not that easy to do, you know, I've tried it. <laughs> Gotta stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> um, Michelle Obama actually danced to one of their songs. I'm, I'm trying to keep this professional here. <laughs> this has just descended into fucking madness. Am I the new... Oh, wait, hang on, wait. Right, There's one on. guy that did the, the crab thing, but... Like, what, what, when he... He yeah, yeah. from what side Fucking... How did Michelle Obama dance to their song, then? Um... Well, they, you know, they, they incorporate a lot of like electronic, <laughs> electronic elements, um, and a few of like the interlude songs on the album are just straight up just fucking dance beat electronica. And um, I don't know for some reason Michelle Obama went to a school and danced with the, the dance group, and they would genuinely dance into an Attack Attack song. <laughs> they were just running on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Oh, that's actually, God, that's actually too much. the on the on the subject of the the CD <laughs> underbelly of the scene world. The original screamer has I've had had so many allegations put against him. He's straight up become a born again Christian and moved to like Bermuda and hasn't go, gone back to America since. Oh, who is that? Uh, Austin Carlyle. Right. From what band? Well, it was in Attack Attack, and then oh, is right. Okay. He got kicked there's, out of Attack Attack. There's, there's two Attack Attacks. There's one with one exclamation point and one with two. <laughs> one's American and one's Welsh. All right. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, and Of Mice and Men was the band he sort of set up after being fired from Attack Attack. Right, okay. And then he got fired from them as well and then moved to Bermuda. With his, I think it's Bermuda, you know, a fucking island basically where he's not under the jurisdiction of American law. Sure. Yeah. Um, that's just an interesting tidbit there. Just a Fuck little me. throwback to the previous podcast. Look at the state of this lot. That's so funny. Have you heard the music yet? No, this is all right. on mute. Never, never turn it off mute. It's too fucking funny. You're going to hate the music, but um, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, I liked it. I, I liked the first album, and then second album was okay, and then third album was a bit less than okay. How did this get made? <laughs> I don't understand. I've not even listened to the music, but how does someone sign off on this? <laughs> it's Rise Records that you sign off on anything. <laughs> oh my God, I was wondering like a little hop. <laughs> Fuck 
fucking hell. Oh, um, that was just too much. I mean, and, the, uh, and this is just some, some bird in a white dress as well. It's just getting... Just yeah. sitting on a chair in the desert. Naturally. <laughs> the, uh, oh, fucking God. The keyboardist, do this to me? The keyboardist of that band uh, then moved on to form a band called um, Beartooth, who are pretty well regarded oh, yeah. now. Yeah, they're, they're meant to be pretty good. Uh, so, you know, the, the band had musical talent, like... <clears throat> For sure, they just got a lot of hate for being like Ridiculous. massively seen, massively like a microcosm of everything that was wrong with like scene music for a lot of people. Mm. Uh, which just surprises, yeah, which is totally evident in that. <laughs> in that, <laughs> not just the music video. You, you should listen to the music as well because the music is sort of I'll never, never weird, to sort it. of weird and out there. I, I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy the music like on a. Sort of comedy level, even though I, I, I enjoy it on genuine level. I think you'll enjoy it on it. I'm never going to turn the mute button off. Why is he running? Oh, it's too much. I can't do it. Now, this is like very, very much how I used to dress and style myself when I was fucking 16. Fuck me. These comments are great. <clears throat> oh. Oh. I'm, glad, I'm glad I could give you a laugh while I try and hold this fucking podcast together. <laughs> no, it's all falling into fits now. We've got no more films for you. Did I mention... Um, oh, I mentioned Super Sonic, didn't I? I don't really listen. Oh, watch a lot of films. I haven't seen a lot anyway. I'm sure there's some more on Netflix. Oh, Search for Sugar Man. That's a good documentary. Searching for Sugar Man from like 20, sure. 20, 2008. Is, is that like the that. one with um, Oscar Isaacs? No, no, it's one about. Um, ah, I won't, I won't ruin it for you. It's basically um, there's this famous sort of singer songwriter in South Africa and he goes missing. Oh, oh I think he sort of vanishes, seen off, it. vanishes off the face of the, of, of the earth and they're like, what the fuck happened to him? And they uh, just find him in the. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. I've definitely find, seen find it. Find him in the cellar. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking of Inside Lewin Davis, which is another music-related film starring Oscar Isaac. I don't know if you've seen that. I saw that on a plane. Is that the one where Adam Drive's in it as well? Oh, and he? it's like Kylo Ren and Poe Dameron before Star Wars. Yeah, 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 that's right. I mean, I was watching it on the plane, so obviously the screen was too small to tell who was in it mm. or what was happening. Uh, that was all right. Cool. Uh, yeah, so I'd recommend uh, you watch Whiplash because that's, that's sort of a must, really. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it's really good. And it's got fucking Jonah J. Jameson isn't it, in it, hasn't it? Hmm. Yeah, I, was, I don't know if he got nominated for that performance. He, he must have, surely. Pretty impressive performance, that. Mm. Um, so it, wouldn't, it did win three Oscars, the film, so uh, best, yeah. Yeah, he it's won got the, the guy that, from uh, Freddy vs. Jason in it, hasn't it? Who? The, the, the young man, the young Miles Teller. Freddy vs. Jason is like a staple film to to like cite for me to know who's in it. <laughs> I mean, fuck is he in it? I'm sure he was in it. Oh, no, he wasn't in it, apparently. For fuck's sake. Who was in Freddy vs. Jason? This is going to fucking piss fuck me no, off. Man. Well, J.K. Simmons did win an Oscar, base, by the way, for Best well, Performance by an Actor for that film. And it also had best achievement in film editing and sound mixing. Um, so, you know, I mean, not that the Oscars necessarily a good way to gauge how good a film is. but No, it really isn't. 
but but generally the the best film of the year is at least worth watching mm. not necessarily yeah. a great film but did you see but, um what was the last year on parasite one parasite, that yeah. guy did that video that it should have been joker and everyone's like shut the fuck up <laughs> did you see parasite then i did i saw it in the cinema okay, okay. uh that was pretty good it is good i enjoyed it yeah yeah. I might watch that again. Actually, I'll probably that's, that's the kind of thing you can definitely watch a couple of times, a few times, yeah. and enjoy for sure. Defo, defo, can't wait for cinemas to reopen. Actually, that's actually, what I typically do on like uh, on on a day off. Well, I say off like a night where I'm not doing it. I'm like, I'll just fuck off to the cinema on my own. Hmm. I did go to the cinema in the middle of the pandemic a few times. <laughs> yeah, um, when when they're open, when it was open. Yeah, went to see Batman Begins, uh, which I've obviously seen shitload of times, but. Mm to cinema to see it because I've never seen it in the cinema that was like 2005 I think yeah too yeah, young to go to cinema back then um, too, like, too young to go out yeah, on your own yeah Tenet I went to see twice in the cinema jeez because you have to do, do put subtitles on the second time it's fucking shit that uh, film well I saw it in X Plus which has uh, that Dolby Atmos yeah, and I couldn't tell what the fuck was being said. And then we saw it in a regular screen, and it was so much clearer in the regular really? screen. Yeah. What did you see it in? I can't remember. I think it was. Um, I think it was IMAX. You know. Uh, yeah. Well, that that will have Dolby Atmos or some different sound system on it, where it's a lot bassier, and you can't tell what the fuck's being said. Basically. Yeah, I think um, I could give it a chance if I watched it a few times, a few more times, let it gestate within me. Hmm. But like the the big, you know, the big sort of action scene at the end, the big sort of war ish scene. Yeah. Is that what it's, confusing as fuck. it's confusing as well. It's like yeah. it's not shot like an action thing at all. No. Um well I, I I went you know, went home and read about it and read about, you know, theories and ex- really laid out clear explanations of what was happening throughout the film with different, mm. you know, threads. Uh so, you know, with the um the aim of going to see it a second time with that in mind and being able to actually digest it properly. Yeah. Because uh, it's it's not like a super complicated film necessarily, but I think What's the like Christopher the Nolan... Well, Christopher Nolan like very intentionally makes the dialogue super fast and vague to, I guess, to try and look smart. Um, yeah. And I'm not trying to like diss Christopher Nolan because he's probably my favourite director, but... He could probably have you killed. Yeah. Well, he, he can have me killed if you want. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of his, but the dialogue in that is like weird super stylistic and and like snappy and when you can't hear it properly so you know that makes it even worse trying to understand what's mm-hmm. going on with the plot um so i went back in you know and understood everything i was seeing at that point other than that final scene which is still confusing as well yeah. i mean you don't need to know exactly what's going on but you know when you can't really when you're just like totally confused it's, it's really sort of it. like it's on it's like a pantomime you just see a bunch of people like firing wildly into the air and no consequences or anything like that and it's just really mm. weird really yeah, weird. I mean, yeah especially like backwards explosions and things like it's really hard to grasp what the repercussions of a backwards explosion are like what you know ultimately what's happened and who's been hurt mm. yeah especially yeah. when it's filmed like you know super choppy and fast who the anyway, fuck uh, knows? I hope uh, do a do a better film. I kind of want you to. I want, want you to close this out so you can go and watch that Attack Attack video with the sound on, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I can finish good. cutting my hair. Obviously. Oh my god! All right, yeah, I'll do that. Um, 
you can Google it now. You can just Google it and find us. I, d- I don't. I don't want to commit till I do in a whole. Email us. I don't give a shit. It's fine. Just drop us a message if you if you fancy anything. But it's good bluff for now. Good bluff for now. Right. Yeah. Good bluff for now. Thanks.